Hello and welcome to another episode of Observe and Report. Uh, Observe and Report, this is the show where we watch things and we tell you how we feel about them. I am one of your hosts, Jason Simmons, and across from me, as always, Jack Smith. Hello. Uh, and yeah, let's, let's get into it. We uh, took a little bit, a little bit of a uh, break, I guess, um, but we're back with uh, some things that we watch. It's the start of summer. Usually this is summer blockbuster season, but we'll see. To be determined. Um, but there are some fun new things out. Um, I've watched a few things. I'm sure you've watched a few things. I did. Um, yeah, tell me what's up. What do you like? What's what's going on? What have you watched? So I finally watched Nomad Land. Oh, okay, yes. Uh the Amazon.com documentary. This <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i um i didn't like it that much i feel like i need to whisper this (laughs) because it won the it won the oscar but guys i didn't like it that much there are a lot Um, of things that won the oscar that people don't like that much all right i i i don't and it's not that it wasn't good. It was good. It was Frances McDormand is always great. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't, I don't know her personality terribly well, but I feel like it wasn't a huge stretch for her personality, <laughs> to be honest. Um, a little sad, you know? Yeah. Sassy. Doesn't mm-hmm. take shit. I like her. She seems like a great person, but um, I just, I, I don't get why it won the Oscar. Which and I am op- very much open to someone being like, "Here's why," and be like, "Oh, okay, makes sense." Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't find it. <laughs> I didn't find it particularly entertaining. <laughs> mm. It was kind of devastating. Yeah. Um, maybe that's you know because I think it won because of the time in which we're in, but also that's probably why I disliked it. Um, because it's just a really devastating reflection of the time that we're in and very few things make me sadder than seeing uh most of the people are between the ages of like 50 and say like 70 something in that film Mm -hmm. many of whom are real people um and the fact that they have to live on the fringes like this sometimes by choice sometimes not sometimes a mix of those things oh it's just heartbreaking like i don't want older people to struggle um so i think it's just not a movie for me (laughs) (laughs) um it won the oscar so i wanted to see it um but it just didn't do much for me jason like i i get that i mean it's cool that it's readily available on hulu um, you know, on any tier of the service um, to just watch, like, hey, this movie mm-hmm. won the Oscar. You can see it relatively easily. That's pretty cool. And I yeah. like that. Um, from what I took from it, well, the, the I guess 40 minutes that I saw, I didn't get to finish it. Um, but I, what I liked about it was that it felt realistic in that way. And I guess oh, that 100%. Is yeah. like a detriment to it as well. Painfully um, authentic. <laughs> yeah. And like a yeah. grim look, you're right. Like this is like, not not pessimistic, but like it, it 
a sad reality of like this could mm-hmm. be the future for many many people oh yeah like this seems to be something that is growing insofar as like people who are ultimately like they don't have the same access to like you know a housing or like you know a quote-unquote stable life like this becomes their stability like you know mm-hmm. this nomadic journeying from like place to place and like getting these itinerant jobs to just you know live as best as they mm-hmm. can and it just feels like this this could be my future. <laughs> this is a possibility. <laughs> Whether I want it or not, like, this is a certain possibility of down That's the line. To me, just frantically checking my 401k to be like, hey, <laughs> am I going to be okay? Can I afford a van? <laughs> Can um, I afford a Prius? Five gallon bucket or two gallon bucket? <laughs> <laughs> For real, yeah. So. It's not that it wasn't good. It was good. I just, uh, it was, it was, it was the type of movie that I usually stay away from. Mm-hmm. Not uh, somewhat willful ignorance, but only because I want to uh, not have my heart broken. <laughs> no, totally fair. Like, yeah, this movie is probably littered with trigger warnings. Of like, hey, are you, are you prone to sadness? You might not want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, but that being said, I think you know it, it certainly looks beautiful. Um, like in the, in it's it's insofar as like the, the landscape is doing a lot. For oh it, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and directed by Chloe Zhao, who also won Best Director, I believe. Mm, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is Best Director and Best Picture. So I mean, it's a double whammy, and it's right there available on on Hulu for relatively cheap slash free slash. If yeah. Probably. If you want a movie that's so close to being real that it feels like a documentary, this is the one for you. You know, that is a great way to depict it. It is very close to being a documentary. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you got? Anything um, uh, happier? <laughs> I saw something that definitely will not win an Oscar. Oh, great. <laughs> um, I saw Spiral. Um, the newest oh. installment in the Saw series. <laughs> Uh, starring Chris oh. Rock. That's what that is. Yeah, Chris Rock is also a producer and uh, a one of the of the writers of this film, apparently. Oh, tell me everything. Actually, no, he did not get a writing credit; just a uh, a, produ- a producer credit. Um, okay. I will say this: it's actually fun seeing Chris Rock in this role. He is not the bad part of this movie per se. Nice. Um, it's he. So the the story of this uh, being that Chris Rock is a cop seeking to track down someone who seems to be mimicking the uh, jigsaw murders uh, perpetrated in the previous Saw films. Okay. Um, it happens in a nondescript city that's going through a heat wave, and the killer is particularly targeting cops. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, it feels like, are you trying to get across like you know uh, modern times and like. The zeitgeist in a saw film? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> I was going to say, when was this written? <laughs> it was actually, this This got delayed by the pandemic. It was supposed to come out mm. last year, around this time, around September, I believe. Um, gotcha. But got delayed and pushed back. Um, okay. I believe it was in some theaters. I watched it, uh, rented it for $20. Oh, Jason. Amazon. And I... Wowzer, schnauzer. <laughs> Look, I was in North Carolina. We didn't have anything else to do, and just decided mm-hmm. to watch this. Oof. Um, that being said, 
it was entertaining to a point, but really predictable um, okay. at many points. It stars Chris Rock, uh, Max Minghella, um, oh. and Sam Jackson. Uh, I like the dynamic. When you say Sam Jackson, do you Samuel mean Samuel L. L. Jackson? Jackson. Yeah. Uh, show him some respect, yeah. Jason. You're right. Say the whole thing. You gotta say the whole thing. Samuel L. Jackson. Sam Jackson could just be any Joe Schmall on the street. We're talking about Samuel L., sir. You're right. Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in the film as Chris Rock's dad, and I like the dynamic. Um, it is actually oh. rather fun seeing these two like banter back and forth. However, Samuel Jackson does not have a lot of screen time in this movie. Like He's there for, mm-hmm. like, I think, maximum 10 minutes, if you count it all together. Like, I'm assuming he just did this as like a favor to Chris Rock or something. I mean, I I would like to think these two wanted to work together at some point in time. Um, yeah. And Chris Rock being a producer probably was able to pull him in on this. Um, yeah, it's it's just, you can tell them we didn't have the biggest budget in the world. Everyone's doing this because they want to do it. And they want to be there. Mm. Um, you can tell there's like good intention behind it as far as like, the people involved. Um, and, you know, you have Chris Rock, you have uh, Sam, Samuel L. Jackson, and to a lesser degree, Max Miguel, and you're like, all right, that's the budget. Like, let's try to face yeah. <laughs> it out <laughs> as best we can in other places. I, I was saying it looks like a Saw movie uh, in the sense that, like, you know, we got fast-twitching things. We have, like, your really quick cuts oh. to a lot of gore. There's so much gore. Oh, no. Don't go into this thinking you're going to watch, like, you know, a fun, like, you know, cop thriller crime drama starring Chris Rock. I wish that was this movie, but it's not that. <laughs> It is very much <laughs> a uh, a saw movie. It's very gory, very gross, and if you want that, this movie serves it up a big heap of plates. Of I will movie. never know what a saw movie looks like. I hope to go through the rest of my life never knowing what a saw movie looks like. And I Jason. think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This jigsaw fellow. Yes. It looks like a puppet mm-hmm. when I see pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Is it a human man? Or is oh, yes. it supposed to... Oh, okay. It's a human I'm... person. Like, the puppet is just, like, his calling card, basically. Oh, I literally was like, are we to <laughs> believe that this puppet kidnaps and tortures people? Ah. I've been confused for many years, Jason. But given the haunted doll genre is booming right now, the American films, and Brahms the Boy, um, which is another haunted doll movie. Oh, no. It would make sense that you would think this is that. It is not that. It is actually a a serial killing man. (laughs) Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What what role does the doll play? (laughs) Uh, The doll is just there to distract you. It's like, you know, he'll make a video and the doll is like, you know, how he's speaking to the police or the victim or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Do the victims ever see the actual man? Um, usually not until the end. Um, mm. But they, I forget which movie it was in where they, you know, went deep into the the killer's story and like, you know, showed him why he does this. Ultimately, he, he started killing people because, <laughs> yeah, it was very American. He started killing people because uh, the health insurance system screwed him over. Uh, he had cancer, and he was getting back at all the people that allowed his disease to persist. Oh, wow. Yeah, real hitting close to home, real nomad land uh, core 
to this. This is movie. like if John Q went off the deep end. Yeah, even if John more. Q, uh, yeah, went went hard. That would be what solid. It was solid. That is another movie that devastated me. John Q. <laughs> Everything Jason, Jason, it came real close to not working out. Okay, Denzel stood in that room with a gun up to his head for much too long, <laughs> and I remember seeing that movie twice for some reason and crying both times. Did you go in theaters to see John? No, I didn't see it in theaters. I'm pretty sure it was rented at some point in my life twice. <laughs> no, it was on television. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think my family probably rented it because that's what we did. I'm pretty um, sure we owned it on VHS at one point in my family. Everybody had John Q. Listen, <laughs> one of the few things my mom agreed and I agreed on as a child were just like, you know, Denzel's super handsome. And yeah. cares about kids. <laughs> What well, else? I, I'm just so glad I got the mystery solved as to whether Jigsaw is a puppet or not. Well, <laughs> it's a burning question in many minds. Well, I can't Google it because God only knows what images will pop up. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, so I have been watching, and I had started this show, but I guess for whatever reason I wasn't in the right mood or something. I'm all about mood. It's apparently. <laughs> if this podcast proves nothing else, I have to be in a mood for something. Um, and I am almost done, uh, I think, with What We Do in the Shadows, the show. Oh, okay. It is so good. It is so funny. Um, it's probably got a bunch of people no one's heard of, aside from Matt Berry. Um, Kay Van Novak, uh, Natasha Demetrio, Harvey Guyen. I probably butchering these names um but i think it keeps the feel of the original really well the whole um tone the tone of it i feel like matches the original movie very well and it's so funny despite being dark Mm um so i for anyone who's not heard of it it is um based on it's kind of an extension of the original film about um, where a bunch of vampires living together in um, the original movie. They are in New Zealand. In this, they are on Staten Island, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and it's just them kind of trying to go about their vampire lives uh, while also slowly taking over Staten Island in New York City. Um, and it's great. It's super funny. Uh, Benny Feldstein is in it, which I didn't realize, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think I think anyone who would like, um, I feel like people who enjoyed like The Office and stuff, I think would like it. It's a little bit quirkier humor, but I think kind of generally maybe it's the same vibe. So uh, yeah, I would say if you like The Office and if you like something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yes, like this show, I think has its perfect home on FX. Um, yes, it is surprisingly gross and vulgar sometimes yeah, like absolutely it, it's never offensive it's always right. funny like yes. it, it never crosses that line like it is gross out humor it's totally humor but also like very funny smart quirky comedy mm-hmm. <laughs> um the performers that they have are great um i i had never seen them in anything prior to that um prior to the show but like they are all fantastic <laughs> like they are perfectly cast in each of their roles um, I agree. 
I love that it continues on from the uh, from the from the film. Like it mm-hmm. does exist in the same world. Um, and I just love the quirkiness of like three vampires trying to figure it out in Staten Island yep. of all places. <laughs> and it's they're kind of odd couples, and uh, the chemistry between all three of them. Uh, really, it's more like a cast of kind of like five people. Mm-hmm. Um, the chemistry between all of them is so great and so natural. Uh, I would highly recommend it if someone is in. Um, the search for a new comedy to watch and they have hulu or cable absolutely same here (laughs) hearty recommend um what else you got what is it i saw a lovely little little thing that just premiered recently on uh hbo now uh Mm -hmm. called starstruck um it stars uh rose uh matafeo uh nikesh patel and emma cd uh it is a british uh comedy um, all about a young woman in her late 20s, early 30s, who is just floating about through life um, and <laughs> just happens to randomly hook up with, you know, one of the biggest celebrities on earth. And they kind of start a little relationship, you know, a little on-again, off-again relationship. And it takes her through the course of a year and how they are trying their best to figure it out. You know, like, where do they fall in the world? Where do they fall in the world with each other? And um, it is... Very, very funny. <laughs> um, it's very relatable insofar as, like, you know, the awkwardness and joys of dating. Um, and, yeah, like, Rose Matafeo, who is also um, uh, the, like the, the writer of the show, the, the creator of the show, is hilarious. Like, she is very funny. She reminds me of, like, a New Zealand Alana Glazer. Um, <laughs> she is vivacious and funny and... You know, all the other uh, characters play off of her so well. Uh, Nikesh Patel is the other lead, and he's a wonderful straight man. He's very dry, yes. but at the same time, very charming. Um, and you, the entire time, you're just like, I really hope this works out, at least personally. Like, I just yeah. like their chemistry. I like how they played off of each other. Um, it, it gives big fleabag vibes, um, but cool. nowhere near as intense as that show, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah, it, it is it is a real comfortable watch. I, I I really enjoyed my time with it. I didn't finish it yet. I have like another uh, maybe two episodes to go. Uh, I, I'm crossing my fingers as to where it ends up. But um, <laughs> apparently it's already been renewed for a, uh, a second season, a second series, nice. as they say in Britain. Yes. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm, I was, I saw all the, the trailers, all the previews for it are very vague as to what the show is about. <laughs> um, oh, I, I saw a trailer the other day, I, literally like a week ago, and I was like, this looks hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was relatively clear. Like, oh. every ad I saw for it was just like, you know, the main character, uh, Rose, just dancing in the street. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what is this actually about? Like, I will happily look up to see, you know, when this is coming, what it's about. But, like, I know nothing other than she's having fun. She's super charming in the trailer, and I remember just thinking that her relationship with her friend and stuff in that seemed great mm-hmm. um, and very relatable. Um, and, and I will say, depending on the trailer, I have I can't remember what movie it was, but it happens often where, because they'll come out with like two or three trailers, you know, um, for movies. Mm-hmm. And depending how they edit those, it, like, and from like what point of view they're editing it, it could be like two different films. It really so, can. So, <laughs> uh, I can understand where you're coming from with that. I only saw one trailer for it, um, and it looked cute. So, nice. Yeah, I'm glad I, it was good. I will definitely I look into it. it. Yeah. 
Um, what well, is it called yeah. again? Um, it's called Starstruck. Gotcha. Um, I let's see what else did I watch? Um, I real quick I finished Everything's Gonna Be Okay. Okay. Um, it was two seasons. It was so great. Um, and took some a turn that I didn't expect. Um, and even though it went, it, uh, one of the things that happens seems kind of like a weird push, but it wasn't completely crazy. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, it is about, I know I'm sure I talked about it before, but we can talk about it. Um, it's about uh, like a 20-something guy. This young man, Nicholas, has two half-siblings, um, two girls who are in high school, and then their father dies. And so he becomes their guardian. Um, and it's kind of them all, it's a coming-of-age tale for both the children and also for him, and for Nicholas. And it's really funny, and it's just kind of watching them trying to figure things out. Um, and it's great. And I do... It has some nice arcs for these characters, um, and it was hilarious till the end, and it hasn't been announced whether it's getting a third season, but I really hope it is, because it's what, great. What you forgot to mention when you first talked about the show, that like, Maria Bamford's in this. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> plays uh, the mother of um, one of the mm-hmm. the girl's friends. And it's the most, like, quote, normal character she's played, but she still is <laughs> yeah. kind of, like, a little bit neurotic. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, she's very, her and Richard Kind play the parents of a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both really funny. And uh, it's great when they pop up. Um, the whole cast is just, it's a very, like, bright show. There's a lot of color, which is so nice. It is the opposite of Nomadland in every way. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is Sherbert. Um, so uh, another comedy that if you're looking for something um, a little maybe more upbeat, uh, and also I oh I posted about it on our Instagram. Um, it happens to be Pride Month, so if you're looking for something uh, that has uh, really great representation of the LGBTQ plus community, I think that's also a wonderful show. Um, yeah, I just I just need people to watch it so I can talk to somebody about it who <laughs> understands. I just someone please, please watch it. I've started dipping my toe into it. I've watched like the first two episodes. It's fun. I like it so far. Nice. It is it is funny. Yay. It's upbeat and like it seems that it'll be consistently that throughout um, it was, the two yeah. seasons. Uh, and you said it's been renewed for a third. I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the announcement of whether it will be or not. Okay, like yeah, it's something that I want to continue watching, nice. uh, and so far, yeah, it's it's been pretty fun. <laughs> um, what is it? something else that I uh, I watched, uh, and I feel like I'm not proud of it. <laughs> and normally, <laughs> like I don't care. And I feel like maybe I might have mentioned this uh, movie on the show before. Um, I watched Swordfish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Travolta's first foray into baldness. <laughs> it's a strong look. That is the like the things that I come out 
from that movie of like weird color schemes going mm-hmm. on. John Travolta's got a strong look and Halle Berry looks real good per usual. And what's, I liked her haircut. What's that funny film. is Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman have the same haircut in that movie and no one talks <laughs> about it. <laughs> Better highlights for everybody. I mean, they both look great. So <laughs> who's to say that it's wrong? I have uh, not seen that movie in years. And keep Tell it that me. way, quite honestly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I think it was on Amazon Prime or something. I feel like they kept on trying to be like, are you, are you sure you don't want to watch Swordfish? I'm like, guys, I am pretty positive I don't need to see a second viewing of Swordfish. It also used to be on TNT all it the all time. All the time. Oh my god, yes. It lives on TNT forever. Yeah. They know mm-hmm. drama, they know Swordfish. They know uh, a fuck <laughs> life, and they know Swordfish. <laughs> For sure. Oh no! Like uh. so, Swordfish. The year was two thousand one. Um, the plot is so convoluted. It's about government guys trying to steal like nine billion dollars, and, and they need Hugh Jackman, who is an expert hacker, mind yeah, you, is. to do it. Um, but there's like quintuple don't kidnap his, Don't they kidnap his daughter or something? They or am I making that? Do at the end? Okay. Um, there are people strapped with like bombs to their chest, like. The whole point is that John Travolta is, like, the head of this shadowy government agency, or is he? Like, Halle Berry's a DEA agent, you know, infiltrating his organization, or is she? Like, the only person that, like, is who they say they are is Hugh Jackman, who is, again, a hacker (laughs) trying to save his daughter. Um, Um. This happens a year after X-Men comes out, so Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry are reunited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when uh, Professor X, when he dies, they go to this, and it's really sad. Oh, God. John Travolta is chewing all the scenery. Get him a knife and a fork and a bib, because he's going to town. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm misremembering, but is he kind of going like full Nicolas Cage in this film? 1,000%. You see, because okay. it's good that you say that, because a lot of people don't know this. Face Off was not a movie. It was a documentary. And, like, <laughs> and like you know, Nick Cage is John Travolta. That's, like, the whole point of that documentary <laughs> that really happened. So I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of people don't talk about that. Um, it's, yeah, he brings that, like, real crazy, manic, intense, ener- like, Nicolas Cage energy from... Um, from face off into mm-hmm. that film and it was just very unnerving like between the look and the energy it's a lot coming from john travolta big time the biggest time like <laughs> it's it's so 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 impressive in that sense um his wig is ridiculous um <laughs> the suits are ridiculous also don Cheadle is there i forgot to mention that um don Cheadle is in that movie he's an fbi agent trying to capture both hugh jackman and john travolta uh, there's a ridiculous scene where Hugh Jackman and uh, Don Cheadle fall down a hill for what seems like 80 minutes. And <laughs> <laughs> they are tumbling and rolling. Like, I don't know how the stunt performers did not break their necks uh, filming this. But at the end of it, they both just get up and walk away like, oh, oh geez, uh, you know, just another Monday at the office. Like, no, it, it is the most insane stunt in that movie to me. And they should bo- both be dead. Um, all things aside, it's not good. Um, <laughs> there's gratuitous like nudity for Halle Berry, just like 
she flashes her boobs. Like, what? What? Why is this here? Why? What is happening right now? I mean, I'm never gonna say no to Halle Berry's I, boobs. I, yes. Let's no be one's real. No. No. One's, yeah, I'm no? not mad, but it's just why is this here? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, it was. It was. It is a trip. If you want to see what like an unlimited budget and manic filmmaking looks like, go watch Swordfish. <laughs> who, who directed that movie? Jesus Christ. Um, I fucking forget. Let me look at Dominic Cena. Uh, no relation to John Cena. I was going to um, say. <laughs> but he makes a lot of uh, okay to not good things. He is very familiar <laughs> with Nicolas Cage. Let me tell you, all right? Because he directed Gone in 60 Seconds. And he also oh. directed Season of the Witch. Uh, oh. <laughs> Interesting. So his his history is that of uh, music videos, but he made the jump into doing uh, movies, and he only did three movies. Uh, he did Gone in Sixty Seconds, Swordfish, and White Out. What a trio! <laughs> Actually, I mean, he's directed a bunch of stuff, but it's mainly music videos. It's mainly music. A lot of Janet Jackson music video. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that makes sense given the look of that film. And he makes good music videos. Like, really good music videos. Not great music. I just, <laughs> I feel like, weirdly, the poster for Swordfish is just a very, like, I have that burned into my brain. <laughs> it is a poster. It is a defined look. Right? Like, it looks like whoa, what kind of music is this? does this band make? Like, <laughs> what is this album about? Because it's all the main characters in black and white looking directly like at the camera. Um, it, it yeah, you're like, is this a weird, no doubt spinoff? <laughs> yes. Like, what that is, is the music they make. What is <laughs> happening right here? I, I oh, oh. It's, that is 100% the kind of music they make <laughs> in this band. It is everything <laughs> but i had that experience uh it's on netflix if you want to have that same experience um yeah what else have you been dipping into and <laughs> oh john travolta was not bald in this one he had the hair in this one yeah he had a crazy wig in this one. <laughs> i was thinking of the one where he has like the goatee oh, you're thinking but of it's paris bald. with love oh god i don't <laughs> think i even saw that i think i just saw the look and was like i'm out <laughs> <laughs> but like okay swordfish wow i didn't see that coming and uh i'm sorry you watched it but it was great for me to go down that memory <laughs> lane um i uh we can talk about this thing that i think we probably both watched although i'm not up to speed i haven't watched a second episode yet okay, uh okay. loki yes i have also watched loki um, my first note is the shirtless scene was much too brief. <laughs> there was a shirtless scene? I did not even clock that. Uh, are your eyes broken, Jason? <laughs> yes, yes, they are, famously. I have to wear glasses. <laughs> uh, I, oh, at, when they're, like, um, processing him basically in the first episode and like he has to sign paperwork and stuff mm -hmm. they rip his clothes off in a way that i feel like they know my dreams um <laughs> and he is shirtless from the waist up and mm -hmm. let me tell you something hiddleston they he is the fact that they put him in like 
a baggy jumpsuit is a fucking crime in and of itself because he is just beautiful. He is Michelangelo. Like he's David. Like it is a work of art and I need you to go back and like rewind to that part. Like I did. Cause I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and pause and just like drink it in because <laughs> it is, and I usually don't go for blondes. I mean, granted, he's not blonde this. I usually don't go for pasty guys. But let me tell you something, Jason. I do appreciate art, and that is what he is. Um, also, the rest of the show is great. <laughs> um, but uh, I do actually really love this show. It's really fun. I, anytime Marvel does anything stylized, it always they always do a good job. They're super thorough. Um, and I feel like, um, you know how when you like a band that's not big yet, mm-hmm. and then they become big, and you're like, yo, I knew them before when they were like underground and nobody knew them? I feel this way about Hunter B-15, played by Wumi Mosaku, because she's been in a bunch of British things that I've watched. Um, and I've been like, she's wonderful. And then she showed up in this, and I was like, oh, now everyone thinks she's great? I knew her before when she was in uh, a show that I talked about before about an old lady detective in England. <laughs> and I Margella? was like, uh, what? Margella? No, it's about like a like 60 year old detective lady. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm just very protective uh, of her. But I'm glad everyone's discovering her because she's great. Um, the cast is great. Um, Eugene, Eugene Cordero, um, he's one of my favorite people. He's a really great imp- improviser. I've seen him live. and He's delightful. Um, Gugu Mbatha Rao? She's got the best name, Gugu Mbatha Rao. Um, <laughs> she's great and she's so cute and she I hasn't aged at all Like I, it's like a much smaller role than I imagined for her personally the, I was like I'm waiting for her to play a bigger role because I feel like that's a big get but we'll see um, <laughs> but uh, yeah the, I just I'm. he's such a great actor of all the people in those Marvel films he's probably the best actor um, so it's fun to get to watch him just really go for it. Um, all the outfits are great. I love all the technology, the twists. Owen Wilson, charming as heck. I was going to ask, how did you feel about Owen Wilson in you know this role in the Marvel Universe? Like, I mean, I've only seen the first episode, but I like it. I like him. He's always been kind of a charming, lovable goof, and mm-hmm. he continues to be, um, but with, you know, some gray hair and a nice haircut, which, you know, I appreciate. I'm big on male <laughs> haircuts. Um, so I enjoy it, and I feel like it's right in his wheelhouse of, like, it's, he's not bumbling, he's very smart, but he's still kind of lighthearted, and he's mm-hmm. not, like, a hard, you know, like, how they usually portray, like, FBI agents or whatever. He's much kind of lighter. Um mm-hmm but knows what's up. So yeah, I've enjoyed it very much. How about you? I like it. I like it a lot so far. Um, They seem to be, at least to me, pulling a couple pages from the Good Place playbook. And so far as like the look of the show, the feel of the show, like the framing of the show of like, okay, we're not going to deal with, you know, 
reality and humanity in a traditional way, one step outside of that and like kind of like observe them in as part of this tapestry of what the universe is, of what all of reality is, as opposed to mm-hmm. just the trifles of human beings. Um, at points, it can feel like a little bit like a clip show because you know they, mm-hmm. they're showing you all these things that have already occurred. But in mm-hmm. that way, it's really good if you've never seen anything Marvel related. Like if you don't know anything about the character, if you know nothing about like you know the Marvel universe at large, you can kind of jump into this and feel like you know caught up to a degree. Um, I like where the the plot's going. I, I like that. I still am not sure if I can trust this Loki. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're able to like you know reintroduce that that element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the look of the show, like the the aesthetic of like you know this kind of like nineteen sixties like you know bureaucrat bureaucracy. Uh, is really cool. People so like, many oranges and browns. Oranges, browns, short sleeves, and like you know, long ties. Like I, I like <laughs> what's happening there. Um, it's a little fun to see Loki stripped down completely. And so far, I was like, I have nothing. Yeah, have no yeah, powers, it is, Jason. I have no tricks other than my intellect, and part of me feels like he will have the last laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, like. It feels like the Loki that we had known prior to, uh, you know, uh, Endgame was truly made a truly made a transformation and came to be, you know, yeah. a hero to some degree. Yeah. This guy hasn't earned it just yet. He saw some videos and shed some I mean, tears. he's still a murderer. <laughs> like he murdered, or was the the reason for many people dying. So like, mm. and he's fresh off of like almost taking over the world. it feels a little less earned than like you know the guy who did it over the course of like eight eight to ten years yeah um i'm excited though i'm excited to see where it goes for sure Um, it has a different feel and pace than like you know wandavision or mm -hmm. falcon and the winter soldier um can't wait to see how it ties into like you know definitely products down the line it seems like it will tie into things like you know uh dr strange and maybe even spider-man movies this whole idea of like multiverses and whatnot Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to see what happens with that nice what else um something else that i watched uh marvel related i watched marvel's modok uh the stop motion animated show on hulu um what is it called uh marvel's modok m-o-d-o-k okay um it's uh it's yeah it's fun it's on hulu uh starring Patton oswald um melissa fumero and it is all about uh modok the guy who's the head of aim basically it's a comedy um it looks very much like robot chicken from the same studio that does robot chicken um oh. and it's basically modok trying to balance how does one be a, a father and a husband and also uh, an evil genius in <laughs> society <laughs> Nice. Um, it's all about his ups and downs of dealing with being like kind of a crappy villain. Um, okay. And, like his biggest success is like I stole Iron Man's boot. Well, he kicked you, and his boot came off, and <laughs> claim that as a quote-unquote victory per se. Um, Wendy McClendon Covey plays his assistant slash greatest rival, <laughs> um, and she is very funny in it as well. It's consistently funny. It's like a joke. Oh, Modoc is an acronym. Yes. Gotcha. Yo, the cast for this is like amazing. It's a really good voice cast, but it will. John Hamm, Beck Bennett, Bill Hader, Nathan Fillion, Whoopi Goldberg, Sam Richardson, my husband Ben Schwartz. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. I'm totally going to check this out. 
but it will only have one season, most likely. How come? Uh, Marvel's restructuring of their television stuff to be all in-house at Disney, basically, and this happened before the television deal got switched over. Oh, gotcha. Of things they were developing, it's like, well, it's already made. Like, let's just bring it out and, you know, uh, see what happens with it. Because stop motion takes so much time to do. Like, oh, it's stop motion. Yeah. Gotcha. So I want to do is like, all right, well, it's already in the can, so. Might as well release it. And it's very, it's good quality. It is a high quality, very funny show. It looks um, great. And it, they get to be really irreverent with like a large swath of like, you know, Marvel properties. They get to be crude and gross and like. Funny. Oh. Um, so it feels like they were given like, you know, a very long leash to play with insofar as like, you know, what they can say, what they can do. What they That's can surprising. Do. Yeah. Hmm. So that, I that's guess. Like really hmm. see. That's awesome. Okay. I will definitely check that out. Um, I, I watched two Star Trek of the newer Star Trek movies. Oh, which ones? Um, Star Trek Beyond and Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. Um, for Star Trek Beyond, the plot being what I wrote was the bad guys, (laughs) the bad guys want a bleep blorp to help finish a weapon. I don't know what the bleep blorp is. It's something. It doesn't even matter. And then, you know, they save the world with music, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) They do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I will say, of those three movies, I think I like it the most. Um, Although I do have major problems with them covering up just Elba's beautiful face. Like, why would you do that? It was a fun reveal for me, um, you know, that he was ultimately the bad guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like you lose a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the star power of Edris Elba by covering up Edris Elba. Um, but I appreciate within the, you know, I guess the path of these three new movies that, you know, one of your bad guys should be a non-human looking thing <laughs> at least once. Um, Fine, Jason. human at the at his core. <sighs> so handsome. Um, <laughs> no, but it, I, it was the right decision. It was just like, oh, but I know that voice. Oh, but the behind that voice is so much handsome. Um, but I think I liked it um, because so many, the previous two films were mostly, you know, Captain Kirk trying to figure his shit out and whatnot and by this movie he's confident he is in control he's got it and it becomes yes it feels that's exactly what i was gonna say it's much more of an ensemble film to be Mm -hmm. honest um not a ton but certainly more than the previous two um the i mean the plot is they're always convoluted um this one might be (laughs) the most but um there's you get to go to another planet which is nice you get to see a bunch of different um alien races which is fun Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i was missing i didn't rewatch the first one i'm going to but star trek into darkness is like oh i did not i remember not loving that movie in the theaters Mm -hmm. and i was always dubious as soon as i saw in the previews brendan cumberbatch say con or whatever i was like oh boy um but I find it to be quite 
boring. Like hmm. it's um, because they're not, they're not going to other worlds really. It's kind of got away from what Star Trek was to a certain degree. Like it's just centering around Khan and whatnot. And so it's a, it's mostly on ships. <laughs> Which, like, uh, we've seen these ships enough. Like, I want a different setting. Give me a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, and at that time, Benedict Cumberbatch was, oh, no, Cumberbatch was, um, like, the hottest ticket in town. So people wanted to use him. And I think at the time I was a little like, okay, I get it. Um, so I appreciated his performance a little bit more. Um, but overall, I found it to be kind of a boring movie. Like, I, so my opinion of- Or not as interesting. I shouldn't say boring. Like, when I saw Star Trek Into Darkness um, in theaters, I really enjoyed it. I came out of that feeling, oh boy, that was a lot of fun. In retrospect, looking back, like, it isn't (laughs) that fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in that movie that gets wasted. I mean, yeah. there are great ideas that I don't think they pulled the trigger on very well. Like, I like the idea that, hey, we are almost in, like, a huge conflict with the Klingons here. Like, let's try not to step on any toes. Like, yeah. I'd love to see what happened if you did step on toes. Like, That's the, that's what you're waiting for the whole time. Just, like, I want to see, yeah, like, this is so much. I've not watched the original Star Trek, really, but I know Klingons, and I know that this could, this is, like, a thing. Mm. They say that it's their greatest enemy. So, like, why aren't you showing this? Like, why are you holding back on it for freaking Benedict Cumberbatch? It just seemed, I agree, it seems like a really big waste. There's also the subplot of, like, you know, uh, of people within the Federation who are like, you know what used to be cool? War. I miss war. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we don't get to it enough. Like, we, we touched on it at the, for a second at the very end. Mm. Um, you know, what's his name? Not Ed Harris. God. Peter Weller. Um, Robocop mm. himself. Um, yes. Who was fantastic in that role. I really liked him in yes. that role. Yes. Oh, my God, that. yes. Um, but I just wish they got to actually, you know, do something with that. Like, hey, not everyone's satisfied with this eternal peace that we've achieved in the Federation. Like, yeah. what happens to the people that, you know, aren't cool with this shit? Like, we could, I don't know. All that stuff would have been cool to actually play out in a movie or a series, but I agree. It, it didn't work out that way. And, like, also, Benedict Cumberbatch was fine as the character, but ultimately you shouldn't have gotten the paciest white man ever to play a, ca- a character named Khan Singh. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that works that way. No. Um, um and also like how many and how many of these films are you going to have Captain Kirk like save the day? Like yeah. change it up. Make someone else a hero. Like all these characters are terribly capable. Like why can't Zoe Saldana's character save the freaking day? Why can't Spock save the day? Why does it always lose great like Yeah, I- like Fantastic. Uh, Scotty's always great. Like, I I don't know why it always has to be him. It just seems redundant. Um, so yeah, Star Trek Beyond. I think because it was more of an ensemble, it's um probably the most fun. And it also has Sophia Butella, who like 
even under that makeup, you can still tell that she's hot, which is like a real feat in and of itself. A gorgeous lady. Um, and like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, she's awesome I in the movie. Totally lost the fact that she was that person in uh, that, that alien in the movie. Um, yeah. Like the makeup is so well done. Totally. Uh, and why isn't she in more things now? Where, where are you, Sophia? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, I'm always excited when she pops up in things. For sure. Um, and yeah. Again, I think that's why I remember seeing previews for um, Star Trek Beyond and being more interested because her character is different looking and really cool looking. It's like, oh, finally something different instead of, you know, a pasty white guy in a trench coat. Uh, like, this is great. Something new. Um, so, yeah. And like the um, in Star Trek Beyond, they are hiding the bleep bloop, whatever the frick it is. Um, and it's hidden in what is clearly... Um, uh, uh, based on like alien, this woman, this alien lady's head, her hair uh, looks like uh, face hugger arms, mm-hmm. and it like unfolds in the th- the bleep bloops in there. Hmm. I was like, that's great. Totally forgot. Didn't that. see that coming. <laughs> it's very much an homage to um, uh, Alien, which is really cool. So yeah. Uh, if you're going to watch any of those movies, I mean, they're all fine. Um, but Star Trek Beyond, I thought, was kind of the most fun. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, other things that I have seen. Um, yeah, so I, again, took it back to the year 2003. Um, oh. And I watched uh, Cradles of the Grave. Um <laughs> Starring, uh, don't laugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Starring uh, Jet Li and DMX, um, as well as all the Gabrielle Union, uh, Anthony Anderson, uh, Tom Arnold, uh, Kelly Hu, uh, and Mark DeCassos. Um, yeah, it's, it is a fine movie. Um, <laughs> it not age all that well. Um, the action- you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> at some points, at some points, it's like, oh, that does this is a little tone deaf. Like, mm, that should have been a different joke. Uh, but certainly, like for the time, I was like, this is fine. Then for now, it's okay. Um, yeah, the basic premise of the movie being uh, DMX is uh, is a thief, a uh, like a no, but not your common thief. He's like a, you know, like a high level. Diamond thief. Uh, okay. He and his crew have stolen a set of diamonds that aren't actually diamonds. They're actually uh, they're actually fuel sources for this nuclear weapon. Uh, Jet Li has been sent to retrieve these diamonds and get them back to China. However, uh, they have been stolen by this third party who wishes to use them to sell on the black market for nuclear fuel. So DMX teams up with Jet Li to get the diamonds back. Uh, save DMX wants to save his daughter. Jet Li wants to get the diamonds, and mm. they team up to save the day. Um, I love the portrayal of DMX in this because one would assume you would just portray him as like you know a simple-minded thug, but at all times he's actually rather intelligent and thinking two steps ahead of his opponent. Like mm. his delivery and acting is like really good. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, like it's not like forced. It doesn't feel like you know, oh man, like this is uncomfortable. Like no, like it feels really natural. Like. Yeah, like, if you didn't know who he was before and you saw this movie, you would have just assumed he was an actor like anybody else. Absolutely. Like nice. he, he just, like, kind of fit, like, right into the role, and, like, he felt like, oh, yeah, you put work into this. Like, this is good. Um, nice. 
And yeah, like he is an intelligent like thief. He's not like a bad guy. He's definitely a guy that plays in the shades of gray, this character. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not necessarily trying to help you. I just want my kid back. And it just so happens to cross over with your needs to get these diamonds back. I'm necessarily like you, dude. I just have to do this to save the day, to save my kid. Um, Jet Li doesn't get much to do other than kicking people in the face in this movie. That's not um, surprising, yeah. He doesn't have a lot of personal stake in it, so therefore you don't really feel like a lot of his drive to get things done other than like, I'm an agent sent from my, from my country to get these things back. Um, and yeah, like the fighting overall is solid for the time. It's a lot of wirefu. Um, weirdly enough, Jet Li only fights with one hand in this movie, and that just seems to be a choice they made. That's fine. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gabrielle Union is there. It's like, oh, yeah, you were in this movie. That's cool. <laughs> Anthony Anderson uh, is quite funny in it, um, but does not get a lot of time to be the funny part of the movie that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's like uh, a lot of stuff with like, him and Tom Arnold playing off of each other. I could totally see that, yeah. Um, and honestly, Tom Arnold feels like the odd man out in this movie. Like, what's this dumpy white dude doing with, like, you know, this multicultural crew of, like, international jewel thieves? I mean, that's how Tom Arnold, I feel like, pops up in a lot of movies. <laughs> you know, like, what's this guy doing here? Like, okay. <laughs> Ultimately, um, fine. It's okay. It's on Netflix. <laughs> um, question. Mm-hmm. Was this produced... Partially by China? Um, it was not. Um, Jet Li was a hot commodity at the time, and he was acting in a lot of, like, I, I don't even know what you would call it, like, urban crossover films. Like, mm. he had just done Romeo Must Die, like, a year before with, like, Aaliyah, which DMX was featured in uh, mm. previously. So DMX and Jet Li, not unfamiliar with each other. <laughs> um, the only person I think Jet Li has done more movies with is Jason Statham. And I want to believe they're really good friends in real life. They've done like five movies together. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like two That's Twitch, cool. like straight to video, three Expendables movies, War, and something else. It's just like, oh, you guys like each other. <laughs> I can see them having a mutual appreciation for their fighting styles and whatnot. For sure. And like, you know, being just like, you know, we're action guys. Like, they don't make yeah. we do anymore. Um, um, yeah. I, I feel like it's just so surprising that um, uh, Jet Li's character is trying to get them back to China. I feel like it's rare that I, I guess I would have assumed that they would make, have made him some kind of American agent. It's not often that it's not often they get China or Russia and they're not bad guys in American <laughs> films. You know, like it's, yeah, it was fair. truly like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh... Yeah, in, in, in that sense, like, you know, you would expect there to be a bit more jingoism at the time, but it really wasn't. It was just like, no, this guy's like, you know, an agent of his country, and some bad shit happened. He's trying his best to clean it up. Like, I wish there was more of that, like, God damn it, like, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> oh, crap, the guy died his back again. Like, how many times do we keep losing these things? <laughs> like, I wish there was a bit more being harried on his side. Like, I don't know about this guy. Like, he's a diamond thief. I don't want to work with him. Like... I wish there was a bit more of that push and pull. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was certainly like Jet Li had a period from like 2001 to about like 2005 where it was just like these very much uh, stylized action movies where they had like an, a quote unquote urban flair to them, AKA like a black mm. flair to them. Like yeah. 
we would always like pair him up with like you know a hip hop star or like there'd be a lot of like you know popular new like uh black music on the soundtrack so it, it was just certain like that was the uh, the role that he played and like you know the the way that he was marketed you know hmm. i remember that time yeah but, uh, um cradle to the cradle two, the number two the great of course <laughs> is there was there any reason they went with the number two that you could tell from the film or is no, that just not at all that's Absolutely. just what they were doing in the early 2000s it was 2003 jackie that's, that's, that's <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> okay makes sense fair um i watched i finally finished after over a year i finally oh, yeah. finished star wars rebels the series. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What an achievement. <laughs> it came with a certificate. Um, it's, uh, it ends okay. Um, there is a significant amount of deus ex machina situations with loath cats and loath wolves <laughs> because they are from Lothal. <laughs> and we're just like, okay. You just have to like go with it they do set it up a little bit in that from the beginning of the series um we know that ezra bridger the main character he uh has a connection to animals that is stronger than uh most like jedi Okay. So that is in that, and they like come back to that here and there throughout the seasons. Um, so it's not like completely unprecedented, um, but it is very convenient. <laughs> um, it's it's not as good as Clone Wars, not nearly as good. I don't I don't know why it's not as compelling. Like I don't um, I don't find the characters as compelling. I didn't find the series as compelling. I feel like it kind of plateaus very early mm-hmm. um, and then just kind of stays that way. Whereas with Clone Wars, there's a real ebb and flow of like, oh, we're clearly building up to this thing. And then it happens like, wow, that was great. And then you kind of go back down and then you're building up to something again. Um, and there's not as many characters from uh, like new characters or characters from the outside Um from the greater Star Wars universe kind of be introduced as much. Um, you pretty much st- just stick with this team. Um, so, and it's an ensemble show. Um, the ending was fine um, and open-ended. I had it, unfortunately, I had it spoiled for me, like, almost from when I started the series. Oh, that's It was a bummer. Yeah, it was, was a real it bummer. Was something you read online or? Something I saw online. Okay. Um, so the animation is great, um, especially in the last couple episodes. Um, they have animation in animation. Um, there's like these cave painting things, but the way they animate them is different from the rest, and it, like it looks really cool. Hmm. Um, and there's also they go into this. Uh, I don't know. It's not a parallel universe. It's like a different dimension type thing. That's like extra three-dimensional it looks really cool so they do some really great stuff um and it always looks good especially when they're in space and they're showing like wide shots of spaceships they always look so good um identical to like star wars at that point when yeah yeah totally um so it was it was fine i'm glad i finished it um of course i teared up at certain parts (laughs) (laughs) um but uh 
and a character finally cuts his hair, which I had been waiting for. <laughs> and then I was like, it doesn't last long. And I was like, son of a bitch. Like, oh, you appreciate a good haircut. You know I love a good haircut on a man, Jason. <laughs> oh, I was so annoyed. I could see it coming a mile away. And I was like, God damn it. Um, it's a little bit predictable, but fine. Um, but uh, it was an okay addition to the Star Wars universe. It certainly does set up some cool stuff and um, is helpful in understanding what's going on in like, the Mandalorian right now. Um, not that you need it, but it certainly supplements it well. Okay. Um, so you you need to really be into Star Wars, though, to watch it and enjoy it, <laughs> which I am, so it was fine. But it's not for the maybe more casual Star Wars watcher. Interesting. Okay. Um, no, like, so a question for you. Mm. Where does it fit into the... Uh, Oh, I knew this was going to come up and I was like, I need to figure this out before I talk to Jason. (laughs) I was literally thinking about that last night. So, um, it is after the Clone Wars because Ahsoka Tano is, she pops up, which is fun. Um, Possibly my favorite character of all time from the Star Wars universe. Um, She, and she is older in this one. Like, I feel like in the Clone Wars series, she's like, she's pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how old she's supposed to be, but I'm going to say like teens. So like, you know, I don't know, 1920 or something. Um, and in this one, she's at least five to 10 years older. Okay. Um, her little uh, hair. Her tendrils. T- hair tentacles are longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so it's after Clone Wars, and also like Rex from the Clone Wars is now a fat old man, which I really love. Um, the clones are like old men, um, but they still love to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they mention uh, the Battle of Endor, and it ends, and it's like, oh, I went on to you know fight in the Battle of Endor, hmm. so. It happens a little bit before that. So basically, I would say that it is it is at the same time as what's going on with Luke and Leia and stuff. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's all stormtroopers. It's not clones anymore. Um, and they mentioned that uh, in the future, the Battle of Endor is fought. So it's kind of at the uh, same time as that. Okay. So it, like the series starts pretty much at the start of the rebellion, perhaps, or like halfway through, like you know, the the, rebel, the rebellion being formed, fighting Darth Vader. Yes, yes, okay. it's it's as if like if uh, Luke and all them are fighting as rebels over here. Mm-hmm. These guys they are, are fighting having over their here. Own theater for over yep. here. Got it. Totally. How would you say you feel now after like spending a year with this series? Like, do you feel satisfied <laughs> after finishing it? Yes. Um, because the characters sometimes start off a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so by the end, you're just like, oh, this kid, he really grew up. I'm real, really proud of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I think also I hope that it's open-ended. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is 
somewhat open-ended so there's a possibility to see these characters pop up in other places right Mm -hmm. especially in the mandalorian um because one of the main group um main one of the main characters is uh sabine wren who is a mandalorian Hmm. um so it's uh, oh no i guess it yeah, because if Ahsoka Tano is alive, then maybe she'd be alive. I don't know. Um, I think, I think without the context of, uh, like, if I didn't have the Clone Wars, if I didn't have Mandalorian, it wouldn't. I would not have enjoyed it as much. But because it's in the context of the Southern Universe, and there's mm-hmm. enough coming in here and there uh, to tie it all together, um, it made it worth it. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Um, no, no, no. Like, oh yeah. Ultimately, I don't know where Rebels falls into things. Like, I would like to watch it again. I feel very much behind on things animated Star Wars. Like, mm. Rebels seems fun. Like, I've heard Freddie Prince talk a whole bunch about it. He seems to be the most into it of like all the voice actors of that show. Uh, and it's talked about wait. it. Freddie, wait, what? Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. He's. I, you know what, I never, I try not to, when I watch anime shows, I try not to look up who the voice actors are until mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, who is he? He, I believe he plays Ezra. What? <laughs> She's all that? So Freddie Prince Jr.? Wait. Hi-ya. <laughs> <laughs> I... My brain is melting right now. IMDb, <laughs> help me out here. I. Oh, goodness gracious me! Oh my. <laughs> um. I. No, he does not. Okay. Oh, you almost gave me a heart attack. Oh, he's Canon Jazz. Oh, he's Canaan. Okay. Aw. <laughs> That's nice. Does that make it even better now? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Kanan's a good guy. <laughs> David Oyelowo was Agent Callus. What? <laughs> You're now having your mind. What? I really am. Oh my god, Matt Nicholson's brother plays one of the like the creepy bad, like a really great bad guy. I can't help and- but think. Mads Mickelson's brother's name is Sads Mickelson. He's just <laughs> depressed all the time. <sighs> oh my god! I because the voice acting um, for some of, like for that bad guy at uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's this mm-hmm. blue guy who's like very calm and like is very smart. Oh, um, is that's who? Mickelson plays and like huh. it's a real it's a really good voice and it's very and he's scary mm-hmm. um so, i like that both oh, Mickelson brothers are in the star wars universe they are <laughs> let me tell you something jason this is this has been great uh <laughs> i can't believe freddie prince jr was kated now i just want to watch it again just for that <laughs> oh my god and david oyelowo plays a guy who I was very glad when they, uh, when his character went in a certain direction. And had I known, I would have been paying attention more. <laughs> oh boy, because that character again changes his hair, and I was like, "Whoa, 
<laughs> Agent Callus, I see you. Because he goes to kind of, dare I say, a mushroom-esque cut, which you know I love. Because mm-hmm. I'm a child of the 90s. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Agent Callus. Because they like give him more of like a Han Solo look mm-hmm. that I was feeling. Yes, this is an animated show. It's fine. <laughs> um <laughs> But, um, wow, I'm going to have to rewatch an episode just to, like, take this all in. Take all the now uh, verbal information you're going to get from these oh, characters attached oh to faces my God. and places. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry more. Oh. oh. <laughs> and, like, I've been wondering kind of here and there when I was seeing his name pop up what Freddie Prince Jr. has been up to. Uh, a lot of voice acting stuff. Um, That's awesome. Uh, he's him and Dave Filoni are super tight, apparently. Uh, a couple years ago, when the what is it, the Rise of Skywalker, the last uh, Star Wars movie that came out, he had a huge rant of just like, "Look, nerds, it's for children." All right, just <laughs> chill. That's totally fair. And also, uh, his voice and the the voices that Ray hears when she's like, you know, getting powered up with the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Freddie Prince is one of those voices really? that uh, goes in there. Yeah, that's awesome, Freddie. <laughs> I didn't know I was such a fan. I haven't seen you in anything since <laughs> She's All That. And I've been wondering ever since, aside from you marrying Buffy the Vampire Slayer and your marriage seemingly still great, which is yeah. wonderful. From interviews um, I've heard with him, he seems like a pretty chill dude. He seems like a really happy, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe he's canon. Wow. <laughs> oh, Jason, this made my night. <laughs> made my night. Anyways. <laughs> Um, now I definitely suggest that people watch it <laughs> to hear the vocal stylings of Lars Mikkelsen and Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Lars Mikkelsen, aka Sass Mikkelsen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't top your joy for this. <laughs> Sorry. The only thing I could uh, could counter with or like present to you uh, is Sweet Tooth on Netflix. How is it? It is a wonderful post-apocalyptic fairy tale. That's the only way I can describe it. I couldn't tell if it was going to be really good or really bad. It's really good. Oh, Um, nice. It is... God, it is the sweetest you've ever seen Will Arnett. Like... Not Will Arnett, excuse me. uh, Will Forte. Like, he is... Oh, yeah. A goddamn sweetheart in this. And you're like... you're. You're going to be a great dad if you're not already a dad, <laughs> Will Forte. Um, but the basic premise of this show being that uh, the world is being uh, afflicted with a, a sickness, a, a, a virus, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it has ravaged through humanity at the same time, like there are no more uh, regular births being had. Like the children that are being born are all hybridized for some reason. It's like, oh, yes, I had a child, but my child is also, like, has the features of, like, a rabbit. Or, like, mm-hmm. oh, I had a child, but my child has the features of, like, a puppy. And, like, all these children that are being born now are all hybridized. And they're not sure, are the, the hybrid children causing this virus? Uh, did the virus cause the hybrid children? It's a lot of chicken and egg scenario happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story focuses on one boy um, named Sweet Tooth. He's mm-hmm. part deer. Uh, and he's just doing his best to try to get to where he thinks his mom that's the basic premise this is episode one shit like he's just trying to get to his mom that's it okay 
And um, yeah, it's really good. It's super sad and sweet and lovely. Um, so it's a series, not a movie. It's a series. It's like a six-episode oh, series. I thought it was a movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, produced by uh, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. Nice. Um, yeah, like um, Nanso An- Anozi. Um, he is fantastic in this show. He has been in so many things. Uh, again, this is one of those things where it feels like, you know, I knew about this dude a long time. He's been a lot of stuff in Britain. And <laughs> <laughs> no one seems to care before now. Um, well, yes, I've definitely seen him before and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, but he's mm-hmm. excellent uh, in this show. And there's also much to be said for the child actor uh, Christian Convery. Um, nice. He is also like, wow, like you have a <laughs> lot to do. And you were like nine and you're killing it. Like you're Aww. fantastic. Um, maybe a little bit younger than that. Maybe like eight. Hmm. I'm not sure. But like he's really good. Um, but yeah, like I've not finished the uh, the season yet. Um, okay. It's really strong. It's based on a comic book. Um, but even oh, that, I didn't know that was a, a very directed short run of something. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it is visually very pretty. And mm-hmm. its story, I think, and the way the story is being told is uh, very interesting. Gotcha. Um, okay. But yeah, Sweet Tooth. It's on Netflix. I have an important question for you. Sure, sure, sure. If you had a child in this world, and you could, like, what animal would you want them to, if you had no choice, they're going to be half animal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would it be? I got to go with what I know. You know, I watched watched a lot of Jumanji growing up. I want a monkey Mm -hmm. boy. I want a boy that is also a monkey. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, our children won't be friends because... (laughs) Monkeys scare me. I do not like them. <laughs> Ugh. You can okay. pick up things well, with hands. Ah, that'd be great. So, <laughs> <laughs> do their features, their animal features, mm-hmm. do they all... Um, I don't know how to form this question. Do they all present in the same way of just like they all have hair? They all have regular human arms and legs. It's just like they'll have like a tail appendage and like he has little antler things. Or is it some have like centaur style of like horse legs? For the most part, human appendages with like, you know, animal features that are functional. Gotcha. Like, okay. he's like, like bunny ears. Mm-hmm. But you can okay. hear very well, like a, like a rabbit okay. would. Like, for gotcha. instance, he has like night vision like a deer would or like you know gotcha. he can hear very well and smell very okay. well okay i think i would go with wolf because if they're, they're running away from stuff they need to have good stamina mm-hmm. a lot of teamwork <laughs> skills <laughs> you know good nose good hearing i guess <laughs> um great collabos so yeah okay <laughs> I would be wary of this monkey child because <laughs> you can fly through trees. All right. I think between Planet of the Apes and Jumanji, like I found Jumanji highly disturbing as a child. I enjoyed it, but it also scared me. Mm-hmm. And when he turned into a monkey and his face transformed, I was like, hard pass. <laughs> this is a nightmare. I do not like this. It was a part of me that was like, cool. Oh, God. <laughs> like, this is a punishment? <laughs> oh, my God. You messed up game. You've given me everything I wanted. 
you would have just let that board go down the river. You're like, I'm fine as I am, ladies and gentlemen. The new Jason Simmons. Finally, he's an Apex Predator. The transformation is complete. Oh, God. Well, we wouldn't have been friends because. Nope. Um, do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. Uh, I've got two more things. Two two things. Uh, very quickly, Give it to me. Uh, a new film on Netflix called Tragic Jungle. Um, it's set in uh, in in Jesus Christ. Um, in Mex. In sorry, excuse me. What am I saying? Tragic Jungle. It is set in uh, Honduras, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and the whole idea is that it is a woman who has been seducing slash tricking these gum farmers, uh, these gum, I don't know what to call them, miners, uh, who are there illegally like taking um, gum. Mm -hmm. And they are being seduced and tricked by this woman as she is like a a spirit of the forest, essentially. Like it's very This is a very specific (laughs) plot. It is very specific. It's very weird. Um, Spanish language film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at the end of it, it's like, why did I watch this? Uh, it's very artsy and very much trying to say its own damn thing. Mm. But whatever. I mean, gum harvesting is truly an issue in the world, mm-hmm. I will say. <laughs> but, um, interesting. Where did you watch this? Uh, it's on Netflix. Okay. It was, it, was it good? Um, Visually, okay, very cool. I just think like it's kind of up its own butt a little bit, but also at the okay. same time, like talking in a historical context of things that I never knew about before. So mm. there is that to gain from it. Like if you didn't know anything about like you know gun har- gum harvesting and like you know the dangers thereof, and like you know mm. it's a period piece in like the early nineteen nineteen tens nineteen twenties. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like and Mayan myths and like you know folklore. So in that sense, it is it is cool, but like in another sense, it's a little boring <laughs> from like just an okay. entertainment standpoint. Gotcha. Um, but the other thing I want to talk about is I finished Mayor of Easttown. Oh, give it to me. What do you think? It was pretty excellent. Um, pretty darn excellent. Um, yeah, I'm glad that it is a limited series. Uh, mm. It will not be another season continuing from this. Um, I thought they beautifully, beautifully, like, and also gruesomely told the story of like, a small town, yeah. um, and like you know, the the murders of the the women that happened there. I loved how there were kind of two endings, that, and there needed to be two two separate endings almost, mm. um, because ultimately they were two separate crimes. Who knew? Mm. Um, you know, big spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, R.I.P. Evan Peters. Um, oh, yeah. I was devastated. No, I will say that was, uh, I appreciated that they went there because, yeah, it was what could have been incredibly predictable. Like that really throws the audience for a loop because mm-hmm. that's kind of in the middle or like two-thirds of the way through the season mm-hmm. and you are just getting comfortable you really like him and then it just hits you you're like oh 
oh no and then she's thrown and you're thrown and you're just like oh my gosh yeah and you're just very much like okay this is tension this is high tension this oh, is perhaps God. the most tense part of this show yeah um yeah it was it was really really something um in that particular scene what i did like overall um was that I, I never really knew who it was until the very end almost, as far mm-hmm. as like, you know, who's really guilty of what. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> didn't trust Guy Pierce throughout the whole goddamn thing. Jason, <laughs> same. And I read it on the internet. As soon as I finished, I was like, am I stupid in thinking that this guy came to town and like these this murder happened and it was somehow him? Because why else would he be there? And I read an article about like someone being like, but why else would he be there? And it's literally just as a weird little escape thing for her and nothing more you're it's just like, like which is true to life people mm-hmm. come in and out of your life and it's fine and whatever but it's just like oh but surely something is left on the cutting room floor because like wh- wh- absolute red herring just like it's like oh man you guys got me <laughs> you got me kate <laughs> like they pulled a reverse memento on you like you're not supposed to trust guy pierce in this yeah. as to memento um and I, I never trust Guy Pierce. There's something about him just like, you seem a little sneaky. He seems like a lovely person. I have since watched interviews. But, like, there's something about him. I feel like he often plays bad guys or just kind of, like, gray area guys. Yeah. And so I was just like, surely, surely he's a monster. <laughs> nope. Just a, just a nice guy traveling through. Yeah, like, there's subterfuge afoot here. But that wasn't the yes. case. No. Not at um. all. In addition to that, um, yeah, I just, I, I love that she does grow through this, mm. that she doesn't become, you know, complacent or isn't like, you know, doesn't become shittier necessarily. It, it, yeah. it does the opposite of like a true detective. She's not broken after this. Right. Like, and I think it does, you know, where true detective tends to go for, you know, the hardest, harshest drama or like the, the darkest areas of the human soul like mm-hmm. i think that mayor of east sound shows like there's hope like you know yeah. not everything is like you know the work as bad as it can be like you know there is possibility of like growing and becoming a better person after the shit of life that you wade through mm-hmm. like i like that you know she kind of gets into therapy like at some point yeah. like, at first you think she's gonna be like ah oh, fuck this and, and then i she- was like i hate when they do that with characters and i feel like it's such a common trope of just like Mm -hmm. the character who needs it the most is like boo therapy and they really resist it Mm -hmm. and they slowly 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 get into it where she like she resisted a little bit and it made sense with her character but then she went along with it and like kept going it's just like oh that's nice i'm used to seeing characters be real assholes about this Mm -hmm. um yeah i I love that every character at some point like reveals a secret to some degree Mm -hmm. But a lot of their secrets weren't like, this is the most devastating, heart-wrenching thing possible. It's like, huh, no, that felt real and realistic and like, yeah. you know, reasonable. Like, I yeah. get why you told that lie. I get why you admit, why you omitted that. Like, it doesn't- Yeah, of course. Like, leaps of logic aren't being made by characters. It's like, it, it all feels very real in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I get why you wouldn't tell your best friend that, um, yeah. as opposed to like, you know, your husband. I get why, you know, you would hide this or cover this thing up. Absolutely. And like all the motivations of all the characters feel reasonable. Very real to human nature. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if you were to put people in the corner. Mm-hmm. For sure. The only thing that I was like, I thought was a bit odd was, um, uh, was it his name? Dylan, the boyfriend who you think is the one who killed, or the ex-boyfriend. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. The dark hair who like mm-hmm. uh, gets shot. Like his character, when he, when they're going after that teenage girl who was the girl who got murdered, her mm-hmm. yeah. best friend, like it, like it goes, it's very dark and you're like, oh, this kid seems like a freaking psychopath. Yeah. And like he already let this other girl, like his girlfriend, like bully this girl mm-hmm. and stuff. And like what he's doing is not normal for like a high school kid. But then they kind of pull it back and make him much nicer and like make him a little bit more reasonable and come around. I just thought that those two, that that was an extreme that he went to that didn't seem to really make sense with the rest of his character. Yeah, I can agree with that. Like, you know, the way they start this character off, like where he ends up ultimately does not reflect his beginnings. And it's not even like a sense of like, oh, like he really grew. It's like he certainly learned information that would change a yes, person absolutely but where he starts is like so extreme you yeah. know um yeah. it, it would have i don't know if it would have been better for that character maybe for the plot overall if he wasn't there it might have yeah. added a little bit more intrigue to the entire mix um yeah. but i guess they did that you know to to make him seem as reasonable a suspect as anybody else absolutely like yeah it it all made sense it was just that one that one scene with him was very intense and kind of like oh I mm-hmm. again it was almost a red herring in and of itself of just like oh so he is capable of these things and he could have killed her um but yeah oh I'm glad you enjoyed it yeah I really enjoyed it I had a great time with it um I would you know love a second season but hey that's not what this is about you know um and maybe that's something moving forward that American TV starts to adopt more one and yeah. dones you know um I think there have been quite a few of them this year and for me, this is probably the best one that I've seen, which is we got one season, we told the story, and we walked away from it. Unlike the goddamned Outsider, which I know is coming back for another <laughs> season. Jesus Christ. What if the second season of Mayor of Easttown is you follow Guy Pearson? <laughs> it turns out he was a serial killer. <laughs> it's just he happened to not kill anyone in this town. <laughs> it's just... We were right season, all along, guys. One episode, it's like 15 seconds, it's him in the car just waking at the camera. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think I was there? You know I'm a creep. Come on. I'm never a good guy. Just talk, talks in a deep Australian accent. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I always forget that he's Australian. You he, has an, he has an excellent American accent. He does. He really does. Excellent. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Please check out our Instagram, which Jason has been wonderful about updating. Thank you. At ONR Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Bye.